Triumph Tuesday. Who is not excited about Triumph? We're going to, we've got so much to talk about, but I am Carol Sue, a.k.a. Nani Boss, the other half, and Jan is going to go ahead and set us up live on Facebook. I'm going to kind of keep an eye and watch for, kind of like I feel like a camera crew. You know, I'm on the news. I'm waiting for that red light to just pop on and lighten up, and we can get going. But we've got a dynamite session today talking about Triumph. And that's a really significant word. And I don't want to go too much into that because we want to make sure that we are live and that kind of we're not repeating ourselves. But Jan is doing the thing. And I love this part. A lot of times this part is what seems like is in slow-mo. But the cool thing about it is it's showing you, all of our audience and our speaking, uh, listening audience right now, because our visual audience is not here quite yet, you know, what goes into putting on when you're starting out, learning it. And a lot of it is not actually from our end. It's, it's just kind of the way that Facebook, Zoom, and everything's kind of merging together. I'm sure they're going to have a more smoother sailing way of doing it. But as of right now, and there it is, bam, there it is, that bright red box that says live that I love to see. So let's kick this off one more time for our live audience, visual audience on Facebook. Good morning, everyone. This is Tuesday. It's Triumph Tuesday. I am Carol Sue, aka Nani Boss, with two sisters. And a book. And good morning, everyone. My name is Janice Malolo, aka Wellness Diva on the Heart Rate Monitor. I love kickboxing. Can't wait to get back to the studio. So let's just do a quick recap because we have a wonderful, amazing guest today, and I can't wait to introduce her. How was your evening? My evening was good. You know, Monday, you know, we, we talked a little bit about yesterday. It was a serious conversation. We we're talking about what is going on in our country. I really thought towards, uh, you know, the end of the day that the country had turned slightly into a more peaceful calm. And I learned uh, great things about the word calm. You know, it's clarity. Uh, there's a whole list of do- different verbs and adverbs that could go with that and action steps. But Sadly, obviously, you know, darkness falls and it just brings out the worst in people, which it really, you would hope that it would bring out the best in people. But, you know, interesting enough, um, just a real snippet before we get to our, to our guest, a lot of people were really confused. And, you know, I, I think we all have learning styles, learning curves. Some people are, are better learners with visual aids. Some people, it's more written. They have to see it in words to, for it to digest our brain. And that's the uniqueness of humans. We're all different. So for a lot of the white race, some of them are struggling with the word Black Lives Matter. And I have to say that I was kind of in that, in that small smidget of it. But I really started to think about it. And Sometimes it's just the way that it's explained. So I gave a great example this morning. I have to share it with you because I think it's going to be impactful for our audience. I hope everyone takes it to heart and kind of thinks about that. So I really compared it. So take the whole Black Lives out of it. From their perspective, they feel that they uh, are been unjust by racism. Clearly, absolutely, racism exists in our country. But what, what frequently gets blurred is why are they using Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter? And so I kind of explained it to someone this morning. I said, okay, let's pull that out of the cards right now. Take that out of the deck. You've got men, you've got women. Now we're talking about corporations, jobs, credentials, you know, experience. If 
we were finding that a corporation, and this has occurred, we know that, that men were getting the job over women and it was not based on their credentials. The women had the same credentials, the women had the same experience, expertise, but they were being looked over because the corporation was discriminating men over women. Women would come together, and they have, and they've done peaceful marches because we're all about peaceful marches, and it was really about equality that, hey, I'm just as deserving. I have the experience. I have the credentials. How would a woman feel if their significant man or not or men in general did not support their issues? Say, look, you know this is wrong. Don't you want to support me in my fight for my equality to get that job? How would you feel if men didn't support us? We would feel pretty, pretty shitty. We'd feel like, hey, wait, don't we count? Don't our lives count? So I really think from the perspective, and I'm sure, you know, some will agree and some will not, and that's the beauty of our program, um, that I think that's where a lot of black lives are coming from. They're like, we know all lives matter. We don't disagree with you that policemen's lives matter, that all lives matter. We're talking about significantly our lives, the racist that this particular instance ripple effect, shame, shame on Minnesota, shame, shame on the mayor and the governor for not taking control over their state because now look at our country. So I, I kind of really digested that last night and it was a good thing I did because of course we woke up with a lot of sad news this morning. I'm hoping that the country comes together, really understands the meaning and the purpose and we cannot solve problems shooting plastic bottles with liquid inflammants in it to crowds. We can't destroy. We can't destruct. We got to get at the table. We got to get with our legislation and come up with a plan for law enforcement and not just law enforcement, any corporation, anybody that has problem employees and educate them and have a system in place for if you got that bad apple. So yeah, that was kind of my night, but it's, I, I, I felt like I was actually feeling triumph Tuesday on late Monday. Well, there you go. But today, like I said, we have an amazing guest and I'm so excited to have her on. And she has a special guest with her as well. Um, so without further ado, I'd love to introduce everyone. Chandra Lee. Chandra and I, and I love kickboxing and has an amazing story and I don't want her to give away too much but welcome Chandra Lee we're so excited to have you here hey guys I'm excited to be here thank you my dogs are also excited can you tell <laughs> so Chandra, what it what really um impressed me it without you giving away of course too much is obviously your story before we got on I told you that I read your story three times and the beauty of what you wrote is so deep and so personal. If you could just give our audience a little bit of glance of what dance, like that's such an expression for you in so many different ways. So without giving away too much, if you would just give us a little insight on dance. Yeah, so dance, dance is like, it is who I am, <laughs> you know? Um, I was born to dance, 100%. My dad said I danced before I even walked. So I think that, you know, everybody's born with a purpose. And I think my purpose was to move people through movement. 
first, first and foremost. So that's what I've really done my entire life, but that definitely transitioned into other, other things. So the art of movement isn't always just on a dance floor. It's also like how you navigate through life and move through people and experiences and situations and conversations. Like it's, you know, dance is much more than just a routine you do on a stage, I think. And we all dance through life and most people don't even realize that they're doing it. But dance is conversation. It's 100% conversation. It's just known as conversation without words. So. I love how you describe that and dance is the movement through, through life. And I think when d different situations arrive or happen in life, that's always been a source of comfort to you. Absolutely. And, you know, through dance, you know, if you just wouldn't mind telling us of just a little other snippet about how dan dance related to your career, because I, I think that is so interesting. Yeah, so uh, my dancing was, is my career. Uh, it's formed in different ways at different points in my life. So I was a professional performer for close to 20 years. Um, just all different kinds of dance, concert dance, hip hop dance, commercial dance, uh, tap dance, like I've done musical theater. I've, I've literally tapped into all of the genres at different times. You know, I've played different roles for different things. So I'd say, you know, like I said, I've danced since I was three years old or <laughs> maybe even before. Uh, but my like professional career started right when I turned 18. I probably even did a few paid jobs before 18, but we'll just say 18. Um, and it went until, as far as performing, I only stopped performing like three years ago. Because even wow. when I first moved back home, I still was taking some jobs in New York City here and there. But I really wanted to shift my purpose with dance. And the industry is changing a lot. The way the world is changing, the industry is changing. And I felt like I had more purpose than just being in the spotlight and on the stage. And that actually isn't my thing. Like, I don't love to be like in the spotlight. I just love to make an impact. And I always treated dance like therapy. It was therapy for me. It helped me heal through every and anything I've ever been through. It's been how I've navigated through the hurt, the pain to come to the, the happiness again. But I also, I love to use that to help other people and kids. And so I felt like as a performer, as a performer, I, I definitely feel like I was healing people through them getting to watch shows. People love music, music touches people, movement touches people. So I definitely felt like I was making an impact as a performer, but I wanted to make more of an impact directly. And I, I felt like that meant teaching and talking to kids and working with kids. And I like working with small groups. I, I, I do love to teach big groups. It's awesome. That energy of like hundred of hundred students in your room. Like it feels really validating if that makes sense. Right. 
But what I love is taking one student who's got a mission and a goal and something that they're working through and helping them, helping them move forward. So I kind of took my career off the stage and more behind the scenes in, in a sense, you know, uh, to use it for the betterment of human, the human race, I think. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And so touching because, you know, it is an art form um, and art does heal, you know, whether it be dance, whether it be music, whether, you know, it's a play and especially, you know, during these times of uncertainty, we tend to fall back on what is going to set our mindset, what is going to soothe our soul, what is going to be pleasing to the brain that is going to bring out those great endorphins that we all need as human beings, but also put us in a place of calm, a place of peace, a place of healing. You know, we talk about sports, how sports brings especially Americans together. Um, it's the same thing with art in a different way. You know, it just, I think it just calms the soul and you can, you can see it. It's just transparent all over your face, how, what the industry did for you. And it's wonderful to see. So could you tell us a little bit more about, because I obviously got on late this morning. Do you, do you, do you have a studio? Are you part of a studio or you do, you know, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I don't own a studio. Um, I grew up dancing at local studios in Connecticut and then uh, traveling into like New York to dance at studios there. I went to college, I trained in college, and then I basically moved to the West Coast. So I spent, I think it was like 14 years in LA, a few years on the road, uh, like touring with different shows, and then ended up in Vegas, and Vegas wasn't for me, and then I moved back home. So when I moved back home and decided to kind of like take that shift to teaching, I wasn't really sure at first. Like I actually took a year off, which I didn't even talk about in the book. Like there just wasn't enough pages in the book. <laughs> so you, you won't even hear about that part, but I did take a year off. I was a little lost and confused and, and didn't really know what I, what, what I was if I wasn't a performer, if that makes sense. But I knew that I needed to change, like shift. Like I was changing, I was shifting and it wasn't a bad thing. Like this wasn't like a negative thing. It was just like, I'm going to be 40 this year. Right. So like, at that time I was 36 and I felt like there's more to life. Like you get this one life and I want to live all these lifetimes inside my one life. Like I don't want to only be a dancer. That's not enough. Like I want to be a dancer and I want to be a teacher and I want to, you know, be able to say that this life, I did everything that I wanted to do, even if sometimes I fail. Like I think the failures aren't really failures. They're just experiences and lessons. Right. So I want to teach that to kids, but owning a studio is a whole nother bag of chips. <laughs> sure is. So many friends who own them. So I thought like, do I really want to own another, another studio? And the answer was kind of no, it, it not kind of, it was no, it was like, no. I mean, there's a lot that comes with it, like business wise and whatever. That's not a problem. I running a business. I do that, uh, a different business, but it's just the parents and the moms and the, the just, it wasn't for me. I didn't want that. So then I had to like think about what that meant and how I could be of impact, like a positive impact somewhere. So I started kind of like scoping out the state. I hadn't been here in a while and I didn't really find my fit right away. So I was like substituting at, you know, a couple of places and I've, I've taught back at my old uh, studio where I grew up, which I love dearly. But, you know, there's not like a place for me there full time. 
at this time, right? So I kind of just was like doing my thing. And then uh, because I manage my sister's spa in Woodbridge and I do lash extensions and facials, which is another license and certification that I have, which is a whole other way of healing people. I met some people there and I met one of my clients who has a beautiful daughter who dances. So I started there. I started doing solos. I started working with her and that kind of like jump started me into like realizing like what my purpose was next with dance, which then led me to just do that with other kids. Um, I travel to studios that my friends from college own and I'll teach there and I'll work with their kids. And then just recently I took a position at a studio that's opening in Newtown, Connecticut. So that is due to start in July, fingers crossed, if pandemic and everything opens up on time and all of that stuff. So, you know, summer programs end of July and then the season will start in September. So it's kind of like interesting how the world works and the girl and her husband who opened the studio, I actually know they're from Connecticut or she's from Connecticut originally, but we knew each other in LA. So our lives were like parallel, you know, and now they've recrossed. And so it's just interesting how that happens and what she's doing and her husband's doing with the studio is exactly what I wanted to be part of. So it was like, okay, this is, you know, now it's time for me to say like, yes, I'll be somewhere full time. Uh, but when you're a full time dance teacher, it's like, you know, not daytime, it's like after school. So, so I'll still right. be doing everything I do at the spa and then I'll be at the studio a few times a week. So. Well, what an opportunity that you've had. And I think Jan can agree that you, you know, were allowed that space. You know, a lot of times I don't think we give ourselves permission to say, you know what, slow down. Yeah. Let me think this through. You know, I'm entering one journey. I'm leaving another. Where, where do they mesh? Where do they cross? And doing that soul searching. Sometimes I think we're too quick to, because we're a society of instant, we've got to know now, got to get ready now, we got to do it now. And we don't slow down. We don't say, wait, where is my purpose? Where do I want to impact? And who can I serve? And I think you had a great opportunity. So congratulations. That's amazing. Jan, what do you think? Yeah. Oh, my God. oh my gosh. You know, as I was listening to you speak, Chandra, it may be, it may for me, thought of the movement and dance, how you shifted that energy. Yeah. It, because as you said in the beginning, dance is all around us. And I love how that shifted, but the core of your beliefs and what dance meant to you has stayed with you and you like carol said you allowed yourself that time to reflect so if i can just like tap on that a little bit so Absolutely. i think that's actually exactly what why i ended up back home is because when i got into dance i got into it because it was part of who i am it felt like it feels like i'm not myself if i don't dance and express things through music like through the way music tells stories and emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So I started dancing because I loved it and I was passionate about it. But as you step into the actual career of dance, some of that gets lost. It has to, it's not, it wasn't my fault for losing it. It's not anything like that. It literally happens to almost every dancer. I, I don't know one that it hasn't because 
it's no longer yours. It's whatever they want from you. It's not you creating your art freely. It's you demonstrating the art they've given you under their ministration, right? Oh, it's oh kind absolutely. Of like how the world is, right? So there is freedom still as an artist in that, but it's different. And then the industry, like all things in the world, has its good and has its corruption. So those things start to really fiddle with your mind. And I do go into that a little bit in the book, so I won't really you know, express too, too much about it maybe. But there's so many jaded things that then kind of take your passion out of it. And you start to lose yourself a little bit. And like Carol Sue was saying, you're moving so fast. Like when I was on tour with Cirque, we were moving cities every other day, every two days. You're, you just, your brain doesn't even have time to process sometimes. And life is just like, you know, and there's one moment that I know for a fact that I experienced that kind of made me go like, whoa, I need to slow the F down. Like, I can say it, we don't care. You know what I mean? Like just, I'm having, I'm living my best life. I'm traveling the world and that's a hundred percent true, but the world is moving so fast and I am losing sight of things. And, you know, I kind of had to really, that's when I really, really started going on a deeper spiritual journey, knowing that when I was done with that show, something was going to change, you know, for me, I I could tell it was already coming. And so like to get back to that ended point is like, I had to find the, the why again, like, why did I get into this? Why am I doing this? You know, yes, I want these experiences. Yes, it's fun to dance behind artists or on tours and all of that's glamorous, but it's not the why, you know, that's the glamor of it. That's the, the stuff that's like, I can say I did that a lot of people can't, you know, it's like my resume, I guess. But to me, that's not what I want to take to my grave, you know, like the things I checked off my box on my resume or something. I just, I wanted to remember why I got into things. Why am I doing something? Everything I do has to have purpose and meaning and passion. Otherwise I don't see the purpose. So that's how I kind of ended up going like reel it in, slow life down and figure out how to have that passion again. And now I feel like much better, you know, about it. Well, and it's, cl it's clarity. It's yeah. all about clarity. That doesn't take anything away from all of the really cool experiences I had, but it definitely like shifts the mindset, you know, a little. It's true. And I think too, when people, you know, especially when, I mean, I can remember as a child and I even remember as taking my daughter to a child, she, she absolutely loved dance. She loved figure skating and she ended up being, you know, in the cheerleading industry. And you, when you see, you know, that, that, the glamour of being on the stage because it's glamorous. If you're in the audience, it's very glamorous. Like, you know, who doesn't want to like jump on the stage for whatever purpose, whatever reason, whether it's speaking, whether it's dancing, whether it's singing, entertaining. And we forget that just like you've experienced, you, you know, you no sooner got one show up and running and packing your bags, you're going to the another. It's just, it's a mirage. It's just, you know, you, you, you see in the distance 
and you feel like it's like I'm trying to get to it and I can't. I, I'm so busy going from one city to another that the, as you put it, you know, the passion is where is it? Where's my why? So I think that you are very blessed to have the opportunity to slow down, to figure out your why. And I think that in itself for our audience is a great message that, you know, you have to triumph over, over, you know, what you thought was and probably is still, but you got to dig deep a little bit deeper. Also has to do with age. You know, your mindset is a lot different at 13 and 14 than it is in your late twenties. And it's going to continually change. You're still going to be reinventing yourself. You are still going to realize maybe five years from now, I could do that too. I mean, the empowerment of people and their passion and the pivots of their journey, it's supposed to be that way because it's going to pull out the best of us to impact more people. And I think that's what you're doing. I think that's amazing. And you know, Chandra, I think the, the pivoting aspect of it for you came at a time like you recognized it. A lot of, I think a lot of people in your situation in that time frame, in that age bracket, perhaps would have kept on going, but you recognized it and did something about it. And not a lot of people have that um, notion to triumph over that and do something about it. And, you know, five years from now, I see, you know, obviously, you know, we're talking about so many different things here all at once, but I see you on your second book. I can't wait to, to I can't like, I'm, I'm like, Hey Jan, can you, um, can you send me some copies of what's in the book? Nope. Nope. I'm like nope. dying to hear all the authors and yours. Now, obviously I'm even more intrigued. I mean, I'm intrigued by all of them yeah. for different, for different reasons, but I love dance. Our goddaughter was, you know, a bit, she was a big tap dancer, uh, tapped in New York, went on to be Miss uh, New Hampshire and then on to, you know, Miss America or Miss USA. I know there's a difference and I can't remember which one, but she actually, you know, always a performer and very glamorous lifestyle. And then she ended up, you know, cancer you know, at a young age. And then that became her focal point in CBD. And, you know, so it really, it, it's weird how everyone's, you know, they're set out to do one thing and it's still always a part of them. Yeah. And then they incorporate it into other areas of their life. And I think that's what you're doing. I think like some people find their purpose super young. You know what I mean? Like some people just know. And that was me. I knew at a very young age, like, like what I wanted to do, but that, that was kind of like what I mentioned before. We get very stuck. People are really comfortable with complacent most times and I'm not, and I realized that also like at a really young age. So at first that complacency would change with the show. Like, okay, I'm over the show, moving on, audition for something else, do another show, do another gig. And that would keep things interesting. But then after a while, it's all the same, right? Like maybe different choreography, but it's the same, it's the same routine, the same tour bus, the same changing cities, the same suitcase, same, you know, it's just different music, different show, but same, you know, essentially it's the same and we get so comfortable and everyone's guilty of doing it at some point in their life like just being comfortable and you like start coasting but then at one point you have to ask yourself like are you the person who just like coasts 
or are you the person who's like always reaching for more? And I'm the person who's always reaching for more. I like that line. I'm trying to find a pen to write it down right now. Reaching for more. I love that. And Chandra, for a young lady or any, any woman in their 30s, 40s, 50s, even their 60s. 60s. Because we do have to mention that decade, just saying. What is the one piece of advice, like thinking about your journey that you're like, that's the advice I want to give somebody? Ooh, so many things. Um, <laughs> I, I think the most important thing I learned was about authenticity. Especially being in a world of dance, you, you are always trying to validate yourself um, or you're being validated because it's like an audition all the time, if that makes sense. Like again, without maybe getting too much into the book, but mm -hmm. authenticity is really, really important um, because you have to like be true to yourself first. And most people are just really trying to please everybody else. And then they end up not pleasing themselves. So I learned hard lessons, <laughs> very hard lessons that made me realize that like being authentically myself and realizing that what everyone else thinks, says, does really just doesn't matter. That's when I really started winning in my life because you're, you decide if you're winning or not. No one else, like you decide. Whatever success is for you is different from, whatever success is for Janice is different from you is different for me. And it's not any less successful. So like you have to go after your own. And for me, I was like, you can only win if you are going after what you want. If you get what you want, you're winning. So. Absolutely. That's, that's, that's a very impactful statement because mm -hmm. I think a lot of people tend to be, and I think probably more women than men, um, people pleasers, or we're so concerned with, Ooh, I'm doing, you know, I'm not doing exactly the same as the other person, whether it's, you know, within your who's got the bigger toys and I got to get one of those because that's the way I'm going to be accepted. And I think we have to throw the word being accepted out the window we have to accept ourselves. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle of life of really trying to impact and be that winner within your own life. You've got to accept who you are. And if you don't like who you are, or you're going down a path that doesn't feel right, doesn't feel comfortable, doesn't feel like, you know, it's pur purposeful for you, then change it. We, you know, our journey has pivots everywhere. You know, we're, we're, we're all one big book. We all have chapters, we all have stories. And like you said, you're only winning if you're winning. If you don't feel like you're winning, yeah. you're, not, you're not creating confidence that way. A lot of people think confidence just automatically comes. It doesn't. Most of the time people have to create it. But in order for you to create it, you got to accept who you are and you have to go after what you want. And if, so that's, if, that's, the right, if that's the direction and nobody else, it, it, it doesn't matter what anybody else believes. It's what we believe. Oh my gosh. So, so well said. And I do have the name for your book, by the way, it's called the real R E E L with Chandra, with Chandra Lee. 
So, you know, who knows? Switch it around, change it around, but I do see a definite book in your future. And Chandra, Carol Sue and I can't thank you enough for being so transparent, for sharing some of your story. Carol, any closing words? I would just continue, you know, you're wise beyond your years, FYI. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, it's, you know, sometimes I feel like, well, I say that, that's really for somebody really young. And I don't consider you're young. You're certainly not old. You're, you're going into another <laughs> decade of your life. And, and it's an important one because I really think when you start to kind of come out of the 2030s and you start going into the 40s, you, you just, you embrace life a little bit differently. You see things clearer, you have better vision and the clarity of your life is there. You just got to open up your eyes. And I think, I think you have, and I think that's amazing. And on that note, Chandra, we th again, thank you so much. My name is Janice Malillo, a.k.a. The Wellness Diva. Chandra, quickly, I forgot what your name is on the heart rate monitor. It's Lashed by Gold. I use my name from the shop, Lashed by Gold. Ah, okay. And I am here along with my sister. Hey, everyone. It's Carol Sue, a.k.a. Nani Boss, live from Vero Beach. You wouldn't know it. It's a little gray outside, but that's all good because it's Triumph Tuesday. And we are two sisters. And a book. Have a great day, everyone. And remember, you can find our podcast on several different platforms, including Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and our most recent platform, Overcast. We all hope you have an amazing day. And remember, there are ways to health with two sisters. Signing off for now.